What's up, Hawks fans? Welcome to another episode of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. Uh, making our long-awaited return, uh, almost... Mm, it's been a month, I think. It's been a while. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, quite a while since our, our last episode. There hasn't been much to talk about during the off-season here. Uh, when we get closer to the draft and free agency, there will be more stuff to talk about. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's going to be some longer breaks between episodes, I think, at least until the season starts up again. Uh, so I'm going to dive into some news right here. Um, number one, uh, Nicholas Bodan's mother shared a tweet on May 1st that leads us to believe that Bodan plans to turn pro next season. You can expect him to compete for a roster spot and probably play in Rockford next season. So, yeah. Uh, it sounds like he's done with the... I think he plays in the QMJHL. I think he's done over there. Yeah, we... Um... Yeah, we need defensemen, so... Mm. Let's see what he can do, if he can make the team out of training camp. Yeah, he he's probably the closest one at this point. Um, it was... It was Ian Mitchell, but then Ian Mitchell decided to go back to Denver for his junior year. So, uh, Bodan might be on the roster next season. Uh, it's very possible. We'll see. I don't think I don't think Adam Boquist is going to be here next season. I think he's probably going to spend another season in uh, London with the Knights. Number two, the Blackhawks have agreed to terms with forward prospects uh, uh, Michael Hakarainen and Tim Soderlund on three-year entry-low contracts that each run through the 2021-2022 season. So, yeah, filling out the pipeline. I don't know that... I, I don't know that you can expect much from these guys, but, uh, you know, it's never bad to have depth. Yeah, probably going to be back and forth between Rockford, is my guess. Most likely. Probably some future, like, fourth-liners or something. Uh, number three, the Chicago Pro Hockey League is back for another season at Fifth Third Arena. Games start on July 10th, 2019. Rosters and schedules have not yet been announced. Uh, yeah, last year, Taves, uh, Kane, Debrinket, a couple other guys, they all played there during the summer. Um, I didn't get to go to any games. Maybe I'll go to some games this year. Uh, number four, forward to Anton Whedon, Wedden, I don't know. You know, I went back and I listened to that episode from uh, uh, last season, and there were just, like, so many name uh, mispronunciations that, that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we were saying, like, Jokey Harju and uh, uh, a bunch of other ones. Uh, anyway, uh, Anton, we'll say Wedden. Anton Wedden has signed a one-year deal uh, at uh, $925,000 with the Blackhawks through the 2019-2020 season. Wooden had a breakout season with Timur IK of the Swedish Hockey League, uh, where he set a career high with 27 points and led the team with 14 goals in 32 regular season games. He also added 9 points, 2 goals and 7 assists, in 7 postseason contests. So all those, like, European, like like the, like the Swedish leagues, they, they're always, like, something IK. Is it is that how you say it, IK? I have no idea. Ah, well, I don't know either. I'm glad I'm not the only person who doesn't know. Number five, uh, uh, Thomas Mattel has been named an assistant coach on Jeremy Colleton's staff. Mattel served as head coach of the AIK Hockey from 
2017 through 2019, where he guided the club to a 64, 27, and 13 overall record during his tenure. Uh, the Athletic actually put out an article about uh, Mattel a couple days ago. I have not yet read it, so I don't really know what to expect from him. I think they coached together when they were in Europe as well. I think that's also how they knew each other. That could be. And then um, the other thing I got to point out too is looks like the Hawks are putting up together a young, attractive coaching staff to go with the team. Seriously, it's a bunch of hotties. <laughs> it's weird. Um, and number six is the last news item I have. Uh, team USA was eliminated in the quarterfinals of the 2019 IIHF World Championship. Alex Dabrinkit finished the tournament with nine points, seven goals and two assists. And Patrick Kane with 12 points, two goals and 10 assists in eight games each. So so they produced. Yep, they certainly did. I'm glad that they're, uh, they're not getting rusty over the summer. Yeah, especially Kane. Yep. I don't think he would anyway. There's that. Um, I think you heard that he's going to train with the same, the same people that he trained with last offseason. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't remember the name. So but, you can uh, expect another hundred point season for him, hopefully. Maybe, hopefully, uh, unless he gets, unless he like breaks his fucking torso in like game two and he's out for the rest of the season, which would be really unfortunate. Fortunately, Kaner's pretty good at like avoiding big hits and things like that, so mm-hmm. uh, injuries aren't usually a concern with him, except in twenty fifteen, where it's actually kind of a blessing in disguise. In disguise because that he was well rested. He was he was well rested, and the uh, uh, I understand that the cap savings from his uh, his IR was enough. What was what helped get us uh, Antoine Vermette? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a collarbone he broke that. Yeah, it's clavicle. Um, and then I I kind of wanted to talk about the playoffs right now. Right, uh, as of right now, the Blues and the Bruins will face off in the Stanley Cup final starting on Memorial Day. Yeah, Monday, Monday. So how do you feel about this series? Boo. I'm not happy about it. Obviously. Yeah. Because fuck Boston and fuck St. Louis. Yeah. Um, but if I had to pick a side, I would probably say Boston. I I don't think... I, I mean, I, I'm like you. I don't, I don't like either of these teams. I don't have a horse in this race, per se. But I'm actually very fascinated by this series. Because uh, anytime a team has the opportunity to win their first Stanley Cup. Uh, I think that's kind of exciting, even if it is the Blues. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, Boston's got a chance to pull off the, the championship hat trick because uh, the, the Patriots and, the Red, and the Red Sox both won. So I mean, shoot, and <clears throat> the, the Boston made it to the second round of the playoffs, too. So the Celtics. Yeah, well, they, fu- they fucking... They fucking ruined it. They could have had the uh, the championship grand slam. They should run. Um, um, uh, I'm just realizing I don't. I forget the guy. The I knew one guy on the Celtics, and I can't remember his name now. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. They should run him out of town. He probably is leaving. So <laughs> no need to run him out. All right. Well, tell him to come back when he can win a championship in the same year as the other teams. <clears throat> Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be really fascinating. That's two like really strong, really complete teams. I think you know, well, worst case scenario is we get some good hockey. 
Yeah, um, I mean, the crazy thing would be for, like, if St. Louis were to come back and win, like, their first ever Stanley Cup, also the fact that in mid-January they were dead last in the entire league or just, yeah. or the conference, mm. and here they are. So part of that, in fairness, part of that is because they had, I think they had, like, the fewest games played in the, the league or the conference or something like that. Um, uh, they they didn't have the worst points percentage, but it, it's still a really impressive comeback. Um, yeah. and, and just the fact that they almost won a division on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like, it, I think they were like two points back or something like that. Like, it, it, I remember it came down to like that last day, like who won and lost on that last day. To, mm-hmm. um, and I think it, it might reinvigorate our rivalry with the Blues because uh, last season we played them like four times in the first like month and then one time at the end of the season. And it, I don't know, it just felt like, it felt like we weren't even in the same division. Yeah. Um, so that's almost like how I feel about with the White Sox, like they're already almost 50 games in and yesterday's game against the twins was the first time they played them all season. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel Um, like division games should be spread out throughout the season. Not like put like front load or back load them. Yeah. It's, it's hard to make that schedule though. Yeah. I mean, I don't, cause you have to. Doing for every team basically at the same time, so yeah, and every team has special requests like uh, like small market teams are like, hey, we want uh, when we play, you know, this big market team like Arizona, they'll be like, hey, when L.A. or Chicago or the Rangers are in town, we want to play them on a Saturday, or uh, you know, some some teams they have like special requests like, hey, we want uh, we want a day game on this game on mm-hmm. this day, and we want. Uh, you know, there's there's all kinds of uh, special requests like that that they can submit, and um, the guy who makes the schedule is usually pretty good about it. Actually, I, there's there's a uh, what usually happens, and there's an athletic article about this a couple months back. That I was reading; it's kind of fascinating, actually. Um, what he does is he usually makes a schedule that's like sixty or seventy games, and gives it to everybody, and they're usually totally happy with that schedule. And then he's got to fill it out with the other you know, like like, 12 to 22 games. And that's about the point where they get, like, you know, unhappy. Because you might have... You might have a team that's, like, visiting the East Coast, and they'll play the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Devils, you know, in, like, four days. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or like you know, like, five days. And then, like, right in the middle there, they'll, they'll have a game in Montreal. And they're like, what the fuck is this, you know? So, uh, it's, it's not easy to be that guy, and... Make the schedule. Uh, yeah. So, so who do you got winning the Stanley Cup final? I have Boston. Boston, you think? How many games? I think it's going to go... I'm going to say six. Six games? Boston and six. That sounds pretty reasonable to me. Um, I do think... Uh, I mean, they're both good teams, but Boston, they've got, they've got the experience. They've got... I mean, really, like the experience. Like they've that core has won cups before, and they've been to the Stanley Cup final before. So, mm-hmm. um, I think they could they could outlast the Blues, who've not been to a Stanley Cup final since nineteen seventy. But I, I do think it'll be, I think it'll probably be a series, six or seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, in our, are you a part of the the bracket? Yeah, that I did. Oh God, I don't even want. It. 
bring I, that up. I guess I guess your bracket hasn't done so well, so I I don't even see you like near the top of the list. No. Not that I see my oh, name at the top so of the list. So bad. My name's not at the top of the list either. Um, I kept saying, you, you know, because like everyone's back bracket was busted when Tampa was out of it, and I, I kept saying, if everyone's bracket's busted, then no one's bracket's busted. But really, what that means is that everyone's bracket's busted except for the one person who picked Columbus to upset Tampa, which was Aaron. Uh, and then TJ picked the Blues to win the cup because he's a Blues fan and he <clears throat> doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. So he's, he might luck his way into winning our bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we both say Boston in like six or seven. So that'll be interesting to find out. Um, we're going to take a quick break here and then we are going to recap some of the predictions that we made at the beginning of last season. And we're back. So let's get into... Uh, revisiting some of the predictions that we made almost a year ago. Are you ready to be embarrassed? Yes. Because uh, some of these are pretty embarrassing. Okay, so number one. The question was, when will Crawford return to the lineup from his concussion? I said late October to early November. You said December. It turned out to be... Get, get, the, get your fucking cursor out of there. I, I, can, do it. I can do it. October 18th. Uh... I would argue that falls into late uh, late October, so I would say I was I was just barely right. I, I'd maybe even call that like mid October. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know, half right, mostly right. Um, not that we're keeping score. I think it'd be it'd become controversial if we kept score. Okay. The next one was who? Which teams are going to have the worst record in the league? Uh, these are the the five worst teams. Uh, so I said Ottawa, Detroit, uh, the Rangers, Vancouver, and the Islanders. That was the one that I was really, really wrong on. Well, we both said the Islanders. Yes. We're both very, very wrong. They Did they win the division? I think they won the division. I think they did. Yeah. Yeah, because they played Pittsburgh, and I think Pittsburgh was a wild card team. Yep. Uh, you said Detroit, Montreal, Vancouver, Arizona, and also the Islanders. Uh, Montreal... Almost made the playoffs. Vancouver almost made the playoffs. Arizona almost made the playoffs. The Islanders did. Detroit was the only one that didn't. And I think they had the sixth worst record? The fifth worst record? I don't know. No, the sixth. I think it was the sixth. <laughs> Whatever. They, they were down there. Uh, Ottawa and Detroit were really the only ones that we got right. Um, anyway, the actual fifth worst records in order were Ottawa, L.A., New Jersey, Detroit, and Buffalo. So you had two. I had one. Yeah. Actually, uh, I don't know if you remember, but the first like month or two of the season, Buffalo was tied for like leading the league with uh, Tampa. And then they just they just fell like a stone. I don't know what happened. I wasn't paying attention to them over there, but. Hmm. Okay. So the next question was: Will Q and or Bowman be fired? Uh, we both had somewhat lengthy responses to this, but I paraphrase them. I said, roughly, if the Hawks start with a record similar to 7-10-3, he will be relieved of his duties and made a team ambassador. Uh, so, Q was fired with a record of 6-6-3, six, six, uh, which is exactly 500. I said they would be under 500, 20 games in. He was like at 500, 15 games in. So, not far off. Uh, but I also said that they would make him an ambassador. 
and like demote him upward. Mm. Uh, that didn't happen. He was just plain old fired. You had a very ballsy prediction. You said a decision will be made about Q roughly thirty five games into the season. If they're above five hundred, he'll stay. If they're below five hundred, he'll be fired. And if the season is a train wreck, Bowman will be fired and Q will be promoted to general manager. That's funny. So, not quite. Yeah, not even close. <laughs> okay, uh, number four. If Q is fired, who will take his place? I said, Alf Samuelson, who is Q's assistant coach, will become the interim coach for the remainder of the 18-19 season, and then Jeremy Colleton will take over in 1920. You said Colleton would take over immediately. You were correct. Whoops. Deleted a bunch of shit. There it is. All right. Number five, where will Yoki Haru play uh, in, in 18-19? You know, where, where would he play that season? I said he'll make the team out of camp and then go to Rockford when Murphy returns to the lineup. Uh, you, you didn't actually specify. There were a couple situations where, like, the question was asked and, like, one of us would answer, but the other person would say a bunch of things but not really give their prediction. Uh, this is one of those cases. Okay. Um, but what actually happened is Connor Murphy returned the lineup on December 9th. Yoki Haru remained in the lineup uh, with the exception of his stint with Team Finland um, through January 22nd, making a one-game return on February 22nd. So uh, I was kind of right in that he would make the, make the team out of camp and then go to Rockford later, but mm -hmm. it wasn't because Murphy bumped him for the lineup. Yeah. Uh, he and Murphy did play for a couple months together. All right, and then we did some over-unders. So Patrick Kane's points. Uh, the over-under was 87.5. You said over. You didn't specify points. I said over. I said he would get 90. He got 110. So. We were both right. It was over. Well, I said 90. <laughs> we both knew it would be above 87.5, though. Uh, Nick Schmaltz points. Uh, there's a couple Schmaltz ones in here. Uh, so the over-under was 62.5. I said that he would get 68, which is over. You said under with roughly 60. What actually happened... Uh, so this is kind of complicated. Uh, so Nick Schmaltz finished the season with 25 points, which is way under, but he only played 40 games due to a season-ending injury. He played at a 51-point pace in those 40 games, which would have still been under. However, uh, just to give him a little bit of credit, uh, during his time with the Coyotes, he earned 14 points in 17 games, which would have put him at a 67.5-point clip. That would have been over, but I think I think we're going to call this under. Yeah. For sure. I, I, I'd rather like project based on... Based on the entire season, then you know, just as with the Coyotes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, even still, there's like, you know, he might have gotten like ten points the rest of the season after his twenty-five. You never know. Um. So, uh, you said under at roughly sixty. You were closer than I was. I said he'd get more than that. Uh, I didn't expect him to regress like he did. Yeah. Or get injured. Yeah, or get injured. The, the rest of the season. Yeah. But I think a lot of these, like, we, we kind of say them with the assumption that they'll these guys will play, like, at least, you know, 75 games. Yeah. Um, all right, so Artem Anisimov, points. Over-under was 
3.5. They were all 0.5 for some reason. Uh, I said under with about 30. You said over with 40 to 42. Whoops. I opened up my shortcuts. He actually got 37, which is over. So you were closer. Brent Seabrook points. Over under was 33 and a half. Uh, I... This is one of those situations. I talked a lot, but I didn't actually specify what my prediction was. You said he'd be a little under with 28. He was actually... Exactly. Exactly 28. 28. <laughs> so, you win the lottery. You win the Brent Seabrook lottery. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Henry Yokiharu points. Over-under was 17.5. I said over with 35 to 40. You said over with 35. What actually happened is he had 12 points in 38 NHL games. He played the rest of the season in Rockford and for Team Finland. He played at a 26-point pace while he was in the NHL. So he was... Uh, again, there's, a, there's you know some what-if there. I think you could reasonably have expected him to exceed that 17.5 clip that was predicted for him but he didn't actually exceed it. Mm -hmm. um, but in less than half the season, he was like two-thirds of the way there. So um, you could probably call it over. Uh, Alex Brinkett goals, 27.5. I said over, 32, which I revised downward from 35. You said 30. He had 41. So, yeah. Neither of us expected him to have the season that he did. Jonathan Taves goals. Uh, Over-under was 24.5. I said over with 32. Uh, I even revised that downward from 35 again. And I, I qu quote, I said, he's now going to get 35 and I'm going to regret it. He got 35. <laughs> uh you also said over. You said 30 to 32. Um, so we were both in the ballpark. Yep. But I unfortunately changed my correct guess to an incorrect guess. Jonathan Tate's points. Uh, this one, I think we kind of made up on the fly. There's no up or under provided. Um, but you guessed that he would have 80 points. He had 81. So Pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, Jonathan Tate's face-off percentage. Uh, this one I don't think was like provided by Bovada or anything. I think you threw this out there. You said the over-under was 60, which is pretty high for an over-under, I think. Uh, I said slightly under at 58. You said it would be exactly 60. It was 56.3%. Oh, wow. That's pretty bad for him. But I, it's still pretty good. I, I don't know how to say that's bad for him. I'd say that's, like, maybe below average, but his average is very good, so. Like, he's always, like, a, a, at least a 50. Like top, yeah, he's usually, his, like, top five in face-off percentage. I, I actually, I, I looked all this crap up, like, two hours ago, so I, I specifically remember his worst face-off percentage in his career was 53% in his rookie season. <laughs> Still winning more than half of that. Uh, Nick Schmaltz face-off percentage. Over-under was 45, which, again, was probably a little too generous. Uh, face-offs were one of his weak points while he was with us, and I think it was also a weak point when he was with the Coyotes, too. 
So I said slightly under at 43 to 44%. Uh, you said the same thing. The actual value was 37%, which is not good. Is not good for a, uh, a first round pick, uh, top six center. Mm-hmm. He still needs a lot of work on that stuff. Granted, you know, again, he only did play like 40 games that year or something like that. Brandon Saad, goals. Uh, Over-under was 22 and a half. I said slightly under at 22. You said under at 18 to 20. He actually scored 23. Okay. So, we were both in the ballpark. Yep. Um, Oh, I forgot to black out the Duncan Keith goals. Duncan Keith goals. uh, Over-under was 55. 55. (laughs) Can you imagine? 5.5. Wow, Duncan Keith just lighting it up and winning the Rocket Richard. Can you imagine? 55 goals. No, Duncan Keith, over-under was 5.5. I guessed four. Uh, You guessed under. You didn't say a number, though. Uh, But he actually scored six goals, which is four more than the season before that. Yeah. Uh, Corey Crawford starts. Over-under was 40.5. I said over with 50. You said over with 45 to 50. He actually had 39. Uh, so he was actually pretty close to the over or under. Mm-hmm. Um, but you and I were both a little too generous. I, largely, I think, because we didn't... You know, There's no way we could have predicted that he would come back and then suffer another concussion. Yeah. And then come back in a much uh, smaller time frame. Uh, Blackhawks points in the standings. Over-under was 87.5. We both said over... I said 92, you said 89 to 90. Blackhawks actually had 84 points. Yikes. So it was, it was under the over-under. But granted, this was after like a disastrous month and a half in November and December. And uh, this was when uh, all the other like like uh, bubble teams in the West were uh, regressing as we were surging. So, you know, it kind of it turned into a, a really crazy like... Uh, tortoise race for that second wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Blackhawks wins. Over under was 39.5. Uh, we both said over at 40. They got 36 wins. I think if I, you know, I think if they hadn't have fired Q midseason, if they fired him in the offseason, or if they had kept him the entire season, we probably could have gotten close to that 39.5. Yeah. So I think we should just do a prediction episode, like, right before the upcoming season starts. Yeah. Just a single episode with our predictions and see. Because that's... It's pretty funny going back and looking at them now, too. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty funny. Um, they're... I don't know. We were, we were pretty close on some of these. You mm-hmm. uh, you had guessed Brent Seabrook's actual points on the dot. I almost guessed Jonathan Taves' goals on the dot. I was um, one off on his points. Yeah, you were. <clears throat> um... Yeah, but overall, I, I don't know that we're that great at predicting these things. Anyway, yeah, we should definitely do this again before next season and uh, see how it goes. 
So we're, I think we're about like half an hour. That's a decent episode length. Um, I think we're going to call it right here. We will be back closer to, closer to the draft and to free agency. Uh, we're going to have hopefully a lot more stuff to talk about. Um, yeah, that's all we got. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.